We wanted to uh, give you a chance to get to know him a little bit better and hear from him. Um, you know, from the minute I sat and had coffee with him, I could tell there was something very unique about this guy. And, and I'm one of those individuals, like as a pastor, I'm not really quick to like, I'm kind of slow going in some things, just as far as even, you know, with getting to know people and things like that. It takes time, and I take a lot of time with it, and I'm intentional about it. Um, and it's really unusual for, for me to step in and identify something really quick and release somebody into a place of leadership. Um, but with Dave, when he came along, I met him, and I was like, man, we've got to get moving quickly. There's something about this guy. There's something on him. How many of you guys have, have gone out and done the ripple effect with Dave? Let me see your hands. One, two, three, four, five. Good, good. We've got a good number of people. If you haven't done that, just put it on your calendar, and next time it happens, and go get after it. It's so much fun. I got to go down there one time, and it was just so effortless. And I love that. I hate striving in anything. So it was just so effortless and wonderful. But Dave, if you guys haven't heard, we're going to be starting uh, Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry. It's going to be starting the third or fourth week in September. And Dave's going to be the director of that thing. He's got all the answers to it. He's been through it himself. And he's going to share a little bit about that. But when he comes right now, I want you guys to bless him and bless him really, really well. All right? Come on, Dave. I got it. I am all that is man. (laughs) I need a huge table. All right, what's up? Hey, girls. You're sitting right up front. It makes me nervous. Please, go somewhere else. I'm just kidding. All right, so I have notes. I'm not as smooth as Andrew. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so. (sighs) Man, I love having fun. Yeah! (laughs) Man, the, uh, the worship this morning was just so fun. There's so much joy in that. I just love joy. Joy is really fun. It's like, I don't know who said it first, but Georgian Banoff, I've heard him say, joy is the serious business of heaven. And that couldn't be more true. A uh, happy Christian is the most dangerous Christian to the devil. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. So um, that was free. I'm not even going to be speaking on that. All right, I had an awesome week because my family has been in town this entire week. Yeah, family. I have uh, three sibs. One of them had to leave early, Austin, but uh, my other sibs are here today, along with my brother and sister-in-law and my four nephews. She is a nephew machine over there. Still working on the niece part, but she knows she's got the nephew thing down. Um... So we just had a blast. Um, go ahead, Nate. I just thought I would start, start this out on a serious note. Oh. That's my sister, Lauren, wearing a fake mustache. We went to Walmart like that last night. Yeah, we're, you know, we take our lives very seriously around the household. Yeah, she made it all the way to the back of Walmart before she was too embarrassed to rip it off. But she got some funny looks. We were counting the double takes that she got. Uh, and then yesterday, we had our first surf, surfing lesson. That was a blast. Uh, Rach got a little injured. That's why she's not here this morning, actually. Yeah, I know, I know. She uh, sprained her ankle, and she did not know I was going to show that. <laughs> Luckily, it's not like high def. And if you're recording this, we'll just edit this part out before she listens to it. Uh, she will never know that this picture was shown. But that's her leg. She had to keep it elevated all night, uh, you know, propped up like that. Um, 
Yep, we went surfing. This was us, hanging 10, looking gnarly. That's uh, my, my two sibs there, two of the four, and then uh, my wife. And then I think we have one more picture. I'm not really sure. Oh, who's that? Huh. I think that's a pro surfer or... Oh, that's me. Look at that huge wave I conquered. Oh, my gosh, it's ginormous. <laughs> wow. What a stud. I'll tell you what. Man, oh, man. I don't know how that ended up in the rotation of pictures, but... It's fine. I mean, I'm glad it's there. But Anyway, all right. So I just wanted to talk about, uh, well, myself all day and just, sh- just share about a little bit about my history and then about the school and, and all that good stuff. Is that all right with you guys? All right. So uh, first off, really honored to be able to speak. This church rocks. You guys rock. This is just so much fun. I look around and I see a lot of familiar faces, some faces I don't recognize yet, but I want to know you soon. And uh, it's just so much fun to be in an atmosphere that is so free and so honoring. Starts from, you know, Andrew and Jocelyn and works its way on down. So thank you so much for having me. I couldn't be speaking to a better group of people. Just so happy about that. Um, I am starting uh, this school along with the, the rest of the church here this fall. Um, it's going to rock. If you haven't talked to me about it, come and talk to me about it. It's the best thing in the world. Not because of me. It's the curriculum and me. It's both of us together working as a team to make it awesome. And it is awesome. I went through it in 2009 up in Indianapolis. It's the same curriculum. And this stuff rocks. It changes you. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But we're just nailing down all of the finalized you know, tuition, what, what it's going to cost, the schedule, all of that just is getting finalized. We have a domain, you know, all the stuff that it takes to basically get a business off the ground. We're doing, just got our logo done and our postcard done. That's going to have all the info. So if you haven't, you know, heard much about it, get ready. It's about to be blasted. And I'll probably have some postcards in here at the back, you know, next weekend or the weekend after once we get them printed, but they're all designed and ready to go. So anyway, um, okay, let's talk about my history a little bit. And there's going to be a theme today. The theme is uncomfortable. That was uncomfortable just me saying that. I barely got it out. Uncomfortable. Yes. If, you, if a speaker who says the same word over and over and over again makes you uncomfortable, this isn't the message for you. Because I'm going to set a new record for saying the word uncomfortable. Somebody should count. I think I'm up to like 10 already. Um, okay. So I started out uh, in, a, in a Catholic family. Now, we weren't the type of Catholic family who had any sort of a relationship with the Lord, really. I mean, we would go on, like, ceremonial dates, you know, Easter, and we did midnight mass. I thought that was cool as a kid, but I just didn't give a lot of thought to God, you know, as a young Catholic. It was just the culture I was in. I know there's some Catholics who really love the Lord, uh, but that that wasn't the culture I was in. Um, I didn't get saved until I was 18. Uh, the summer after I graduated from high school, I ended up getting saved. My brother, who's here in the audience, which I didn't know he was going to be here, and I have a whole bunch of stuff where I'm picking on him here. So this is going to be interesting. He's, he's right here. He's right here in the red. Go ahead and wave your arm, John. Yeah. John Jackson. He, uh, he told me the gospel. That, that guy is this. That's how I became this, was this guy right here. He was my hero, is my hero, uh, for a long time. And, um, yeah, he, he got saved two years prior to me. Uh, I got saved in 2003. He got saved in 2001, I guess, right? 
Yeah, that's about right. So it was Campus Crusade for Christ down at Indiana University that kind of broke through and, and really grounded John with the Lord. And, and then um, he had like, for that two-year period, because there were two years between him getting saved and me getting saved in 2003, he must have told me the gospel, I don't know, maybe a hundred times. And I never heard it. I had the most deaf ears and blind eyes you could imagine. That, that, that spiritual truth is so real to me. Because the day I got saved, I actually, I was in the car with my girlfriend. We'd been dating for a couple of years in high school. I busted a U-turn. It was just time. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it was just time for the Lord to take over. I, I busted a U-turn, took her back to her house, and told her as gently as I could, hey, I got to stop seeing you. Uh, I just felt something in my heart that it was time. I had no idea. I didn't even know the gospel, but there was just something there that was resonating. So I drove home, told John, hey, man, I just broke up with my girlfriend, he saw that I was kind of at a vulnerable place and told me the gospel for probably the 101th time. And, you know, really simple right out of Ephesians, you know, not by our own works, but the grace of God so that no one can boast. And I looked at him with a shocked look and I said, why didn't you tell me this sooner? <laughs> it's like, come on, man, share the good news. And he's like, oh, you fool. I've been telling you this for two years. And then he goes on to tell me all the times he had been telling me this. Ironically enough, the one I remember the most was when we were in Orlando for a family vacation. Uh, John and I were walking around Disney, right? Disney for like an entire day, just him and I. And he tells me, he was telling me the, the gospel that entire time. I think back and I'm, I just remember him babbling about something. I have no clue what it was. No offense, I'm sure it was a good presentation of the gospel, but it was not connecting until that day. Um, I had kind of an interesting first few years as a believer. I lost all my friends almost immediately. One of my, well, the best friend from high school just stopped talking to me, cold turkey, because I didn't want to drink, didn't want anything to do with that anymore. And um, so it was a trying time. I had a brain tumor that they discovered during my first year of, of being a Christian. First year, brain tumor. Uh, couldn't be treated with medicine I had seizures. They weren't the fall down and shake seizures. They were a different type of seizure where you kind of black out and do. My family's laughing. What an inappropriate time to laugh. Wow. It's uncomfortable. It's like he said. They're laughing because I would do goofy things when I had one of these seizures. And I laugh about it. It's okay. You're not going to offend me. Um, but my trademark when I would have a seizure was... I guess my legs were really hot because these pants were coming off. If I was having a seizure, these pants were gone. I'm not going to be walking around with pants if I'm having a seizure. Yeah, that was the weirdest thing. I would just drop them, drop trowel. Luckily, the undies never went with them. It was just the outer garment. Mm -hmm. Uncomfortable, right? I agree. I agree. So anyway, trying time that first few years of being a believer. Um, some good stuff happened too. Uh, I was a part of this church. It was actually a really seeker-friendly kind of mega church where I grew up. And um, they weren't real into the Holy Spirit except for a little pocket. And John found that pocket. It's uncanny how he does that. And um, so it was, they met every Wednesday 
for a prayer meeting, and there was very little praying and more just weird, charismatic stuff going on. I called them the crazy Holy Spirit people because this was my first year of being a Christian, and I didn't know what the heck was going on with those people. Um, But some good things happened. I got baptized with the Holy Spirit in that group. I was sitting there talking to one of the craziest of the crazy Holy Spirit people. And they're talking about gold dust and oil and feathers and jewels and orbs. And I'm like, man, I'll go back to being unsaved. Get me out of here. This is horrible. And then the scariest question of all came uh, when he started talking about tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, do you want that? And I said, I want to run out the door. And, but instead, I answered yes. Ah, why? Because then the most uncomfortable of all situations occurred. They surrounded me. That is just an interesting way of getting to know someone. And they were praying in a bunch of weird languages. And I'm thinking, where is the exit? And I have all these questions flying around in my head. And I decide, hey, I'm going to ask one. They'll probably respect that, right? A question being asked from a young believer. So I muster up the courage to ask one. And the elder gentleman in this group proclaims, a lie from the enemy. And I thought, what is happening? Am I the enemy? I don't know what's going on. And, but throughout all that uncomfortableness, the Holy Spirit showed up somehow. Man, that is a miracle. And despite the lies from the enemy that I was evidently proclaiming, uh, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was really great. Changed, changed my life. It was a marquee moment for me. Um, let's see. Okay, so I want to introduce my brother a little bit. He only did it one time during worship, but he does this thing where it's like he gets punched in the belly when he feels the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, and it can scare people sometimes. This is just telling you what I was raised around, really. I'm looking for sympathy more than anything. And I had a bunch of very uncomfortable situations with John growing up. I mean, just very uncomfortable uh, from, you know, 18 and on as I was a believer because he was so into the charismatic thing and he's like my role model. I mean, he told me the gospel. So I'm like following him around, you know, like a little puppy. And he's taking me into all the worst areas of town that are super uncomfortable, you know, this is an analogy. Not, this didn't really happen. It's just really weird, charismatic circles. What I would say weird isn't really weird anymore, but at the time, super weird. And going back to his uh, thing where he yells when he feels the Holy Spirit, I was at a conference just with, with Andrew just a few months ago. Who was the speaker? I forget his name. Jason Westerfield. That's right. Yeah. You want to talk about uncomfortable, man? That was an uncomfortable conference. But it was good. It was really good. But holy cow, that was different. So John's in there, and worship is fading down. It's really peaceful. You know that, that kind of peace you have after worship? Everything's just so calm. It's nice and comfy, and you're just like basking in the Holy Spirit, right? And he's sitting on the aisle like he is today. And about four feet away was this awesome young couple who had a little baby asleep on their shoulder. Yep. So John, he's like whacked out of his mind. He's just enjoying the Holy Spirit and not knowing what's going on. He turns right at the couple, probably three feet away, and gives the loudest, whoa! And that baby never went back to bed that whole time. The couple was even about to cry. I mean, they were startled. 
Once John realized what he did, he had the sheepest look, look on his face, like, oh, did I just do that? And I said, yes, Andrew, meet my brother, John. Like, he verbally assaults babies. <laughs> this is what he does. <laughs> so, some more awkward times post, you know, Christian days. John used to drag me to the mall in Indianapolis to do prophetic evangelism. I mean, I acted like I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it. <laughs> there is no way I wanted to subject myself to that misery. I mean, this was before I did the Bethel School curriculum uh, up, in, up in Indianapolis, so I didn't have the, the teaching, the know-how. I hadn't practiced, really, how to do this stuff. I mean, it was just weird to me that we, were, we would go and sit in the food court, the pen and paper, and try and get, you know, words of knowledge, uh, prophecy about the people that we're going to go up and speak to. I had been a Christian for like a couple of years, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, this is so weird. And, but this was my life. John had no mercy on me. Man, this is a bad Sunday for you to come to church. Tell you what. Um, so this went on for a while, just uncomfortable situation after uncomfortable situation. Me being stretched and pulled and, and just transformed, really, in the middle of all these uncomfortable situations until ISSM came. That was the Indianapolis School of Supernatural Ministry. Ours is the Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry. Very original. And um, during the school, it, the awkwardness continued. Uh, during the first month of the school, we went to a Renaissance fair and dressed up like Renaissance folk. And we gave prophetic words to strangers during my first year of school, during my first month of school. And I dressed up like Friar Tuck because I thought, if this gets bad, I'll pull the hood down and no one will see me. And I'll be the masked vigilant telling people their futures. And it was just, you know, this was my life. But the cool thing about being uncomfortable, dot, 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 here we go, is it forces you one, one direction or another, doesn't it? I mean, you're either going to shrink back in the midst of this horribly uncomfortable situation, or you're going to step out in faith and boldness and see what happens. It's a unique type of thing to be in one of those uncomfortable, out-of-your-comfort-zone situations where you're, you can feel yourself being stretched in a different way than you would normally choose to go. And that's what I want to talk about the rest of the time. After 11 years of uncomfortable Christian situations, I really know the value of being uncomfortable now. Um, yeah, so the world knows this. This is not like some secretive thing. Uh, the world knows exactly how, value, uh, how valuable being uncomfortable is. I mean, if you want to see someone uncomfortable, come to the gym. Watch me work out. It is uncomfortable. Can you imagine me doing hot yoga? That's not going to be pretty. It's going to be really bad. Cold yoga? Yeah, maybe. So John, <laughs> John, uh, yeah, he continues to uh, abuse me, really, um, in a loving way. Now, this next story was before he was a Christian, okay? Prerequisite. He was not a believer yet, so there is grace, okay? I'm still working on forgiveness. Um, in seventh and eighth grade, football was a really big deal to our family. And uh, the high school I went to had a rich football history. And you would get your uh, name and picture up on their Hall of Fame in the high school if you were like all state uh, at, at a sport. So my dad was up there. And then John was up there. And it was my turn to perform. 
Um, and so John took it upon himself to torture me. <laughs> Number of years this went on. Uh, the worst were probably seventh and eighth grade. He had me doing Arnold Schwarzenegger's workout routine. <laughs> Arnold had steroids back then to help him through it. I had nothing except for my tears. Sadness, really. And so I was, I mean, if you saw me in the workout room and you saw John there, you might call Child Protective Services. It's like, what is going on? After the workout, I'm like hyperventilating. After the workout, he would give me a homemade concoction of like peaches and the most disgusting protein powder and fish oil. And it, none of it mixed together. It was like I was drinking oil and peaches and powder all separately. It was just misery. It really was. And that was my life for two years. And the apex of that, I went to my mom and I asked her, hey, uh, she's a doctor. She has access to medical equipment. I said, hey, mom, um, hey, do you think I could get an oxygen tank for my workouts? I was dead serious. And that's probably the first clue my mom had that I was being abused as a child. So... Where am I going with that? That was really uncomfortable. But going into high school, I had the strongest legs on on my team. I was a beast. And by the end of high school, I was setting squat records at the high school because of the uncomfortable situation um, he put me through. He's apologized a lot for that. I mean, like almost every time I see him, he's like, hey, sorry about that once again. So I did make Allstate, so I got my name up there. So. Thanks, everyone. A lot of pressure. I came through. Um, You know, there's just a million examples uh, of uncomfortable situations spurring on growth, you know, for the unchurched world. Um, When I was uh, back in Indiana working for a company, and Nate worked for the same company as our old job, and um, I would do kind of training as a sales manager, and I would accompany our people on appointments and sit back, and they would meet. This was a real, real client. They were meeting clients out at a model home, trying to sell them a home, you know, one of the biggest purchases you're going to make. And I was there with a pen and paper, and I was critiquing from start to finish. And that was uncomfortable, wasn't it, Nate? Yes, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me to be there taking notes. But I did it as a manager, knowing that this was going to get the best out of our salespeople. It's uncomfortable for me, uncomfortable for the salesperson, and very uncomfortable for the client. But I knew we were going to get the best out of them by doing that. It stretched them. It, it was putting them outside of their comfort zone. I mean, there's just a million examples of this stuff in the world, of getting outside of your comfort zone, and what happens after that point is growth. But for some reason, the church really hasn't adopted that mindset. It's kind of interesting. Um, the, the world knows that you have to be pushed into an uncomfortable situation sometimes to grow. But the church really does everything they can to stay in a comfortable spot. I mean, you just look around the country at the different mega churches and, and, you know, we're buying the nicest chairs people can sit in, the nicest sound and audio equipment. You know, we do studies on what's going to make people feel warm and welcomed and everything is geared towards keeping people comfortable. And that's good. That is good. But there has to be a time when you are pushed out of that comfort zone. Otherwise, it's very difficult to grow. When you're in your little comfort zone the whole time, it's, it takes a lot of personal effort for, for personal growth. Christians think being uncomfortable sometimes is not from the Lord, you know, when we don't have peace about something, you know, and maybe we're just out of our comfort zone. 
But we think, oh, that must not be God because I don't have peace. But actually, sometimes it's just new to us. It's different, you know, and we need to recognize that. Um, now, this church does a great job of, of getting me out of my comfort zone almost on a regular basis. Well done. Um, and they are pursuing new things. They're, they're not afraid of a mess. They're not afraid of freedom. If it gets messy, okay. But we're at least going to have freedom, you know. Freedom to worship. Freedom to let the Holy Spirit come and do his thing. But um, I'm, not, I'm not really talking about being in an uncomfortable situation inside the sanctuary anymore. This church does a great job of that. And you're getting fantastic teaching from Andrew on a regular basis. I mean, it's so rich in content. It's so good. That was an Anchorman line, actually. But it's just, it's the best teaching that's going to push you out of that comfort zone. You know, on a regular basis, I'm sure a lot of you would agree with that. But I'm interested in putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations outside of the sanctuary. Know what I mean? That probably has to be the most neglected area of the modern-day church. We, I mean, very few churches are, are putting people in stretching, growing situations where the Holy Spirit can show up just on a Sunday morning. But even less are putting people in uncomfortable situations outside of the sanctuary. How do we think a city is going to change? It's not the next guy. It's you. Yeah. It really is. That's a scary thought. That's an uncomfortable thought to realize that a city changing what we want as Christians to see happen, the world change, you know, multitudes come to know the Lord. We're the answer. Holy cow, that is crazy. There's so much responsibility. I hate that idea, don't you? That we are the answer? It's scary. Reaching the lost is not just for evangelists either. Sometimes it's my personal belief that we have the propensity as a church to hide behind our gifting, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm an intercessor, I'm a teacher, you know, I have a healing gift or I'm a, a pastor or whatever, but if it's not an evangelist, then they're not, they're not doing, you know, they're not talking to people about the Lord. And it's like, no, we all have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. We all are called to speak to people about Jesus. We're all called to be put out of our comfort zone. And it's not just those evangelists. The evangelists can lead the way. They can, you know, carry the banner and lead the charge. But this is for everyone. And that is the most terrifying idea. The idea that you are fully equipped, that you don't have a junior Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you have the same Holy Spirit that was inside of the disciples, the apostles, that is terrifying because guess what? You don't need more training. You don't need more equipping. It can help. That's why we're doing the school. But you are prepared right now the way you are to interact with the world in a supernatural way. It's called the Holy Spirit. And it's living inside each and every one of you. And that's a scary thought. It's an uncomfortable thought. Holy cow, I'm ready. I'm ready to go be supernatural in the marketplace. Because that, that knowledge, that idea, carries all of this responsibility along with it now. I don't need the, you know, amazing class that's in the future to be ready. I mean, I love training. I love practical hands-on application. That's why I did ISSM up in Indianapolis. That's why we're doing OSSM. 
But until you can realize that there's not some magical answer, but you're ready, you're going to be in a holding pattern, you know, waiting for that next day. Maybe next year I'll be bold enough. Maybe next year I'll get over my fears and I can do this. It's all about conquering those fears, right? Does this idea make you uncomfortable? Makes me uncomfortable. That's a good thing. 11 years of being uncomfortable made me the person I am today. I still have fears, but I actively push the limits of my comfort zone. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's missing in the church today is a people group who stand together, locked in arms, who are saying we're going to push the limits of our comfort zone because we are the answer. Any problem that the world has, we're the answer. Man, that's so crazy. I think it's time the church rethinks being uncomfortable. Even the apostles needed to conquer their fears. Sometimes we think that the apostles were this high and lofty thing, you know. The disciples of Christ will never attain what they had. Even Christ, he's, you know, the lifestyle he lived is unattainable to us. You know, in Ephesians 6, 19, Paul says, Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. What an every man prayer. Just pray that I'll have the words to say and the courage to say it. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the heroes of the faith. And he's praying a prayer any of us would pray. It's important that we grab a hold of this idea because until we see that the apostles are a model for ourselves, we're always going to be thinking what they did and how they lived is unattainable to us. We're always going to be thinking we're inferior and we can't grab a hold of that lifestyle. We can't live in that supernatural way. We're just normal folk in the year 2014, and we go to church on Sunday, and we have a Bible study, and that's our Christian lives. It's a scary thought to reimagine Christianity, isn't it? It's a terrifying thought. But how else is a city supposed to be saved? How else is the world supposed to be changed? It's terrifying because there's so much responsibility. You know, I used to hope that I would do something enough that it would become natural to me. There wouldn't be more uncomfortable that would come along with it. Like, I, I've, I've experienced some of this, like with the ripple effect. I don't, I don't really get nervous anymore when I do the ripple effect. It, it's just fun for me now. But at the beginning, five years ago, it was pretty scary. I mean, I was pumping myself up hardcore, not even to Christian music. I needed the help of secular music to pump me up. <laughs> I was dancing around my living room with two of my friends who went with me. And we were like, we can do this, right? We can do this, right? And we're looking at each other like, do you really believe that? And I'm thinking, I don't believe it. Do you believe it? But we did it. We got out there. It was terrifying. And we saw amazing things happen just that first time. Because it's not about us. It's about him. He wants to reach the lost more than we do. OSSM is, part of OSSM is discovering a confidence in God. A confidence in God to be who he says he is. A confidence in God that he is supernatural, that he's made us supernatural, and that we can live a countercultural lifestyle. It's a crazy thing. All right. Let's keep going. I don't have a ton more. All right. So now my prayer, after all this time of being uncomfortable, I've realized, you know, I'm still not quite where I want to be. I'm really comfortable with the ripple effect. I love it. It's a blast. It's just easy. It's fun seeing God show up. It's a little safe zone that we've created. 
that is just so easy to interact with people in a supernatural way. If you're not familiar with it, we hold up signs that say free spiritual readings. Uh, and we let people come up thinking we're fortune tellers. And we surprise them. We tell their fortune. We tell them what's going to happen. We tell them about their past. And then we tell them, hey, Jesus told us all this stuff. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit told us all this stuff. And so they can't sit there and debate anymore. Hook, line, sinker, we got them. They, they're believing it. They can't argue something that just happened, an experience they just had. That thing is easy now for me because I've been doing it long enough. But what I've discovered is... Uncomfortable is good, and I plan on being uncomfortable for the rest of my life. I really do. I used to think I would get to the place where I'm just not uncomfortable, you know, out at the grocery store, out at Publix, and I see someone with a sprained ankle, or, a, or they have a limp, or there's a cast on their arm, or I get a word of knowledge. The Lord tells me something about someone. Hey, this guy's going through a tough time. He's, he has financial issues, or man, he's called to be a leader, a, a lead youth, or whatever the case may be. When I get that unction, I still feel uncomfortable. I haven't conquered that one yet, but I'm actively pushing the boundaries of what I'm comfortable with. I am making headway. I'm not sitting back and letting my fears conquer me because guess what? We're the answer, right? Yeah. No one else is going to do this stuff. It's not some proverbial thing where one day Christians will rise up when the Lord drops a bomb of the Holy Spirit. No, this is it. We have the full anointing on us right now, the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's never coming in a greater measure. We're filled. Yeah. We're connected with the Holy Spirit right now, you know? And so I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life. And now my new prayer is, Lord, make me comfortable with being uncomfortable. Give me a place of comfort in that uncomfortable place where I can sit back and say, okay, man, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to go after it. I'm going to press in. I'm going to push the limits of my comfort zone until I get comfortable with that feeling of nervousness and anxiety, and pretty soon, I'm okay with it. I'm pushing into that place, not sitting back and letting those fears have their way with me. I mean, conquering your fear is probably one of the most important things a believer can do. And that's why Paul prayed, give me the courage to say it. When I have the words, give me the courage to say it. Even Paul needed courage because he was afraid. Why do you need courage? You need courage to conquer your fears. So Paul still had fears. That's amazing. That blows my mind when I think about the Apostle Paul having fears about the gospel. Holy cow. He was just like us. But he pushed those limits on a regular basis. All the apostles did. And we're, we're the, uh, the result of their effort, right? Thank goodness they pushed through those fears. All right, not too much more. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again. If you want to stay the same, seek your comfort zone. Seriously. If you are happy with how things are, and you think this is the apex of Christianity, sit back. Stay in your comfort zone. You will stay the same, I promise you. You'll stay right where you're at. If you want to grow, put yourself in uncomfortable situations and be comfortable with it. Okay, this is not a guilt message, guys. This is hard to hear. I know it is. But it's, it's hard to hear because it's not preached in the normal church. 
You know, we're not telling people, hey, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You are the answer. There's no one else. This is not a normal thing, but it's not a guilt message. I want you guys to hear me on that. Jesus loves you as much as he ever could. He has given you the full measure of his love, okay? You're not going to earn a better place. You're not working up this thing where you can get to heaven and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to say that no matter what because of your place with him, because of what Jesus did. You don't have to work up a place in that, guys. So this is not a guilt thing. There's no condemnation in this. He loves you just like you are. What this is, is about our potential as believers. We don't have to earn anything, but the world needs us. Jesus healed every person that came to him because of compassion in his heart. We have that capability, and I truly believe it's everyone's desire in here to heal every person if they could, right? To get every person saved if they could, right? To deliver every person from depression and, you know, sadness and a broken life. If we could do that as a church, we would do it, right? So what's stopping us? Fear and the unknown, you know, that we can't do this, that we're not equipped. So if we really want to do this, then let's move into our potential. Let's not just sit back and and say, maybe one day. No, this is the time for us. But you have to beat down those fears and get into that comfortable spot of being uncomfortable, right? All right, let's keep going. Almost done, right? Okay. So your ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable will honestly determine what you do in life. It really will. Not just from a spiritual standpoint, but even just professionally, relationally. Um, you know, a lot of times you have uncomfortable stuff that happens in relationships and, and being vulnerable with people, you know, being able to be vulnerable and uncomfortable and, and just pushing yourself in a variety of different fields is really going to dictate how your life goes. And especially spiritually. As the director of OSSM, I honestly, truly owe you several uncomfortable situations. And I'm going to fulfill that. Because it happened to me. Happened to me with John for a number of years. Too long. And it happened to me in ISSM. But man, it's nice being on the other side with this perspective. Uncomfortable is good. I plan on being uncomfortable the rest of my life. I'm not looking for that place where I arrive at a comfortable spot anymore. And that is a revelation, and it's a hard thing, you know, to understand. Here's the deal, though. I am all about the practical know-how. I really, it bugs me, it irks me when a teacher or a pastor, Andrew never does this, don't get me wrong, but a teacher or a pastor, (laughs) he gives a message that fires you up And then there's no practical know-how. Good luck out there. See you later. That is not my heart. Man, I love the practical because I went through it. I had the hands-on application. Okay, when you're out there and you do conquer your fear and you go to talk to somebody, you pray for someone, whatever, what are you going to do? What do you say? What's a practical way to go up to somebody? How do you, you know, interrupt somebody's daily business and get into their lives? How do you bring the supernatural into this world? It's honestly, it's a really difficult thing. I don't know that we have a tougher time than the apostles have, 
But we are in a tough age because the supernatural is not common anymore. At least the apostles had kind of a culture where it was recognized, you know, that supernatural stuff happens. At least that was kind of the cultural idea for the most part. We couldn't be further away from that. Most people don't even know God exists, let alone that he can come through into their everyday lives with his supernatural power. So that's a tough thing to break through. It really is. We're fighting up against culture with that. But we can win. I believe it. I've seen it with the ripple effect. You can interrupt someone's normal life with God's power, and they get transformed on the spot. And that is how a city gets saved. That's how bars shut down. That's how jails are emptied out. That's how strip clubs are put out of business. Because you are conquering your fears, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, and you get the practical know-how, and, and we're going through this together. That's the other big thing, is the school is a group of like-minded individuals all joining arms saying, we're going to celebrate risk, and we don't care if we fail. That is the most freeing mindset you could ever have. I loved that when I heard that, when I went through it up in Indianapolis. It was like, oh, you mean we're not just going to celebrate when I succeed, when someone gets saved or healed? We're going to celebrate when I try? Oh, that's so freeing. Man, I love that. It means I can mess up as much as I want. As long as I'm trying, I'm succeeding. What a wonderful idea. That is the the most freeing culture to cultivate, you know, where everybody is just saying, we're going to be risk takers, and we don't care what happens. We're going to be bold. We're going to conquer those fears. We're going to do what we feel like the Lord wants us to do with a confidence that he's happy with the world and he is ready to break through into their situation at any given moment. And that can give you extreme boldness when you connect with his mind towards unbelievers. So we're going to do it the right way. I'm not interested in a bunch of believers who feel obligated to do something. Man, if you're feeling obligated right now, Do a reset. This isn't an obligation message. It's really not. This is a message that's showing you what things could be like. What our culture as Christians could do. We're we're dreaming right now. We honestly are, because things aren't the way I'm talking about them right now. It's quite a quite a shift to get to that point. So I'm simply showing you what things could be like if fear was no longer a problem with Christians. If we had conquered that, because we all want the sick to be healed. We all want the depressed to be filled with joy. Why aren't they? We have the full measure of the Holy Spirit right now. Almost done for real this time. So we're going to do it the right way. When Bill Johnson uh, is talking about this, he he has a little quote where it says, um, you know, when he was teaching his kids to ride a bike, he would take them to the park where there's grass so that when they fell down, They could get back up. That is the whole mindset here. In fact, in school, you're required to fail three times. It's a weird policy. But the reason we have that is because it means you're stretching yourself. We're not worried about the results. We're worried about you stretching yourself into that uncomfortable situation, putting your fears aside, and being who you were meant to be. It's like Christians have a horrible case of amnesia. Well, we're coming out of that thing. We're waking up. We're shaking off the dust. A whole city can change in a short period of time. If a group of believers join arm in arm and say, we don't care about how we look. We don't care about the fear of man. We're going to step into who we were called to be. Man, things can happen. And the reason we don't care about results 
is because we know he's good. We know he healed every person who came to him. We know what he wants already. He wants to reach his kids more than we do. So all it takes from us is effort. And that's an, that's an ugly message to preach. Hey, you need to try. But it's true. All we have to do is try. And he's there to back us up. We already know his heart motivation. And he wants to break through, shake things up. The school is not all about power evangelism. That's what I've talked to you guys mostly about today, but it's really not. The reason you shouldn't feel obligated to do this is because a lot of the school is based on your identity. We're going to start at the heart and go from there. You're going to realize who you are. You're going to realize who God is. You're going to realize what he thinks about the lost world, and that is going to fuel you. I could give a rip about a Christian who feels like they have to do something. Man, that is not his motivation. Jesus wasn't feeling like he had to do something. Scripture says that he sees a sick person, and he was filled with compassion, and he wanted He had a desire. He could hardly keep himself from doing it. And that's what we're going after. We start with the heart and we go from there. And then there's going to be all the practical hands-on stuff. You're going to get the scriptural references for why this is appropriate, how we can do it. You're going to be pushed practically, but there's also the classroom stuff. I'm just not interested in a Christian who feels obligated. And we're not going to be that group of people. A happy Christian is a dangerous Christian. An obligated Christian is not a happy Christian. That's a sad Christian. We're not going to be those people. That is no fun. We're going to be the happy Christians who are so confident in big old Jesus that we feel like we can get out there and do whatever the heck we want and he's going to back us up. That's the type of culture I want and I think the type of culture Andrew and Jocelyn want. The school is about identity. It's about fun. It honestly is about fun. It's about joy. It's about risk and adventure. It's practical hands-on and it's classroom. Okay. I'd just like you to take an honest look at the way you are right now. You're awesome. You really are. I'm awesome. We're all awesome. I'm, honestly, I'm not just saying that. That's how Jesus sees us. He has made us awesome. He really has, top to bottom. But there's more if you want it. You can be more awesome. There is more. We can be the answer to every problem. If you want change, if you want to grow... If you wish you were doing things that a person beyond what you have right now could do, then you're going to need to embrace the uncomfortable. It's just a fact. He's not going to change your personality overnight and make you comfortable with every awkward situation. It takes one step after the other into the outer limits of your comfort zone. That's scary. That's weird. And it's awkward. But otherwise, we're going to keep things the way they are. And Christians are going to be known for whatever they're known for right now. It sure isn't unconditional love. It sure isn't crazy supernatural power. But it can be. All it takes is a little imagination and a little effort. If you can't do the school, tough luck. No. You're really in trouble if you can't do the school. No. I mean... If you can't do the school, you can still push your limits. A lot of people can't do the school. Scheduling conflicts, whatever, you know. There's a bunch of things that happen to get in the way of that. 
But, it, but you can still push your limits. You're still going to get practical, hands-on, good stuff about your identity and what the Lord thinks about you and about the world from Andrew on a regular basis. So if you can't do it, just join in with someone else. There's a reason Jesus sent them out two by two. Because we are way stronger when we're joined with someone else and celebrating a culture of risk. When it's all on our own, that's when fear is pretty dominating. It's tough to go up against that battle. So get with someone. Almost like an accountability partner. I mean, honestly, that's how I look at it. But it's not like a striving thing. It's a happy thing. Hey, man, I pushed my limits so hardcore today. Listen how I did it, you know? And, and actively pursue that lifestyle. You're going to be the happiest you've ever been when you start to see Jesus show up with supernatural power in someone's life. You're never going to get happier than that moment when you see someone change right before your eyes. All right. That really is it. Let's stand up and do a little prayer. If we could, um, just grab the person's hand that's next to you. I mean, this is all about the church, right? I mean, we really are, like, joined, right? I mean, we're going to pursue this thing together, celebrating risk and adventure, right? So let's pray this in unison, you know? With a heart tie together that this is who we are. This is what we're pursuing, and we're not okay with just staying the same. Because there's more out there. Jesus, you are the man. Yes. Man, we love you. Yes, Lord. Holy cow. Give us the proper perspective, yes, Lord, Lord. That we could see that there's no way you could love us more, but that there's still more available. Yes. That the world has a problem that we have the answer to. Yes. Show us that perspective. Show us your heart where we can't resist praying for someone where we can't resist talking to the brokenhearted about you because we are in touch with your heart for them. Yeah. And you always want to break through. Give us that perspective, Lord. Yes. Give us that revelation. That's what it's going to take. We want that, Father. Make us vulnerable for change. Push us into an uncomfortable situation where we're forced to grow for you, Lord. Man, we love you. Thank you for this church. Do something with this church. But give us the revelation that it starts with us. We are the answer. Yes. Thank you, Father. Yes, Amen. Amen.